This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. Welcome back to Worth Recovery, podcast featuring women in sex addiction. I'm Amy. I'm a recovering sex addict, and I've been sober since December 2nd of 2012. I'm super excited that you have tuned in today for episode 24. I had the amazing privilege this last weekend to spend three days with some amazing women in recovery. We went. I went to a women's retreat and uh, there were only 11 of us, somewhat small in number, very, very strong in spirit. I felt it was a true privilege to be able to spend time with them as we worked on recovery and studied step work and did all sorts of things. And some of them wanted to share with you some of their tools and some of the things that they have learned in recovery. And I'm so excited about that. And so I spent some time with a few of them to be able to talk about and share a little bit about who they are and a little bit about the tools and things that they have learned in recovery. Hi, I'm Becky. I'm a sex addict. Um, My most important recovery tool is journaling. I journal everything, my thoughts, my prayers, my step work. All of it gets written down in my journal. I love a brand new blank journal. Before my recovery, would start, I would start writing in a journal, but eventually I would quit. Then, when I would come back to that journal later, I couldn't even reread what I had written. I completely detested anything I had written, and I would rip the pages out of the journal to make it clean and pristine again. I saw my writing as defiling something perfect. But now, I keep everything, and going back over my recovery journal writing has helped to teach me self-compassion and let go of regret. So, can I ask, are you open for questions? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, like, um, how many journals do you think you filled up in recovery? Oh, I know exactly, because I keep oh, them really? all, and it's like, uh, I'm nearing my second, but my first one was one of the ones that I had ripped the pages out of, so it was actually, like, skinnier than most mm-hmm. journals. Mm-hmm. But, like, I have, like five, six more pages in this journal. And like, literally there's been a few days where I'm like, I could write about a few more feelings. Like I'm so ready to finish <laughs> like, it. Want to be done yeah, yeah, it. exactly. And I have like yeah. my new one all lined up, ready for step six to nice. start. Yep, yep. And um, so you said you journal every day. Yeah, or just about every day. Yeah, and I know that like if I haven't journaled that day, that I'm usually, that's a day usually that I'm like not seeking connection to God. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, do you have a set time that you journal? Or is it just like randomly throughout the day? What's kind of your pattern? Um, if it doesn't happen in the morning, it probably won't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I try to really like fit in in the morning. But um, but yeah, sometimes in the afternoon, if I wait until evening, just all bets are off. It's never yeah. going to happen. And so you said you review them sometimes. Yep. You go back over and review it. Yeah, yeah. So what has been the biggest benefit of reviewing your writing? Because that's something I totally struggle with. Yeah. Like I probably have... Uh, seven or eight like recovery journals yeah yeah but I don't think I've ever gone back really well like maybe once or twice like, okay. I've gone back and read a few things here or there but like I don't really re- like I don't really go through them yeah yeah you know a lot yeah so like what do you see as the biggest benefit of going back through your writing um 
I'll go back when I'm having a day where I feel like nothing has changed. Why am I even in the program? Like I can't make any improvement. (laughs) And I can't, I can go back and look at like my thinking process and be like, oh my gosh, like just, she was such a sad, hurt, um, trying person that I can really have compassion on kind of where I was and totally see the growth that I've done. Mm -hmm. And um, now that I've started sponsoring, like going back and sort of seeing what exercises I did and kind of what parts of each step were like hardest for me at the time has been invaluable. Like just to be able to pass that on to someone else who might be struggling in some of the same areas. So yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. thanks. Thanks for sharing with us. Any other thing you want to say to all the women listening? Mm, keep coming back. <laughs> it works when you work it. It and works you're when you work it. <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks. Hi, I'm Candace, a recovering sexaholic. And I've been in recovery for three and a half years. And um, I want to share something that um, Sexaholics Anonymous has taught me. And... Um, one thing that Sexaholics Anonymous has taught me is to bring the inside out. Um, before coming into the program, um, before recovery, I lived inside my head a lot and I, I didn't talk to, to family or friends or anyone about um, kind of shameful things that would come up in my head. And, and so um, I just built a lot of guilt and shame around what, what went on inside my head and the thoughts that I had. And so beginning recovery and working the steps, hearing other women at my first meeting share the shameful things that they had done in the past and, and the things that they regretted, um, that was very powerful for me. And doing my first step, writing down all the things that I had done in my past that I had never even wanted to say out loud or write down, even even embarrassed to write it in a, in a journal. Like what if someone were to find this? Um, it would be just really embarrassing. Um, and some of the things in recovery, I never even spoke out loud. Um, I didn't pray about it. I didn't say it out loud. I never shared with anyone because it was so shameful. So what recovery has taught me is that I'm okay and I'm okay to bring the inside out, whatever it is, that that God loves me unconditionally and I have a sponsor who loves me unconditionally and a fellowship that accepts me and um, encourages me and in, in sharing uh, what's inside, no matter what it looks like. So I've just I've just accepted um, that no matter what I'm going through and what, what's happening on in my head, that um, bringing it out in in the fellowship of other recovering sexaholics that I'm a, I'm safe and I'm accepted I'm loved and that um, the phrase you're only as um, sick as your secrets is very powerful for me because um, I strive to live without secrets now um, I used to have a lot of secrets but now I can say you know I I don't live that way I don't have secrets I don't have uh, a shameful, um, dark place that no one else knows about. I, I pray about things. I talk about things with other people. I, I don't live in isolation anymore like I used to. So, um, that's, that's been a big salvation for me is 
bringing inside out and being loved um, no matter what. The first time you did that, the first time that you like spoke to something that you had never told anyone before, how did that feel? I mean, how, how did you work through the, like, I could, I'd imagine that that would be incredibly scary. How did you work through that fear and, and how did it play out? What happened? Well, I first shared some things with my sponsor that I had never even written down or said out loud to anyone else. And um, the response that she gave me was was not of shock or, or disgust, um, but it was just like, oh, I've either heard that before or um, that just sounds kind of, you know, normal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Honesty was, is just a big deal and, and, um, working the steps. And, um, I wanted to just come clean. If I was going to do this recovery deal, I just wanted to, to really do it thoroughly and not hold anything back. So, um, it kind of just began of like, you know, just as I trusted my sponsor, I just started sharing some things that, you know, I don't know if this fits with what I'm working with, but this just has a lot of shame. And as I spoke it, um, I just felt like I was okay. Kind of like, I don't know if I feared that if I shared something, it would like kill me, like, or <laughs> I would just, just be an outcast or it would just be confirmed, you know, that my worst fear that I'm terrible is really true or something. But, um, but I just found that that wasn't true and that I was okay. And, um, I wasn't, I wasn't totally different than everyone else. A tool that I use is I use writing and um, I go to meetings and I um, share with other people that are trustworthy and um, I pray about it. Um, so all of those ways that I can just bring it out and shed light on it mm-hmm. and um, then I have to do the work of just affirming myself and just telling myself I'm okay. Um, that's, yeah, that's yeah. my process. Um, is it something that you still struggle with now? Like when things come up or you have an opportunity to keep a secret or things like that, like, you know what I mean? Like, is it still something that you continually have to work on or is it like once I did it, I just am honest from now on? Well, yeah, I still deal with (laughs) wanting to, um, control others, uh, opinion of me, what they think of me. Um, and so, um, yeah, it's still something I deal with, but I, it kind of is like maybe three to five days I can go before I'm like, okay, I've just got to, this, this, there's something in my mind that's going around. Maybe I'm just haven't been hundred percent honest. I need to kind of let that out. I need to share. I need to write it or, you know, I, mm-hmm. it has to come out like, yeah. cause I have to be honest with something. Um, and it has to get out or. Or else it does become like a secret. Thank you. Yeah. So I have Emily here with me, and Emily is relatively new to the program, right? How long have you been attending 12-step meetings? I'm, well, I went to general addiction meetings last, early last summer, and then I started going to SA meetings in last year in September. So it's been six, seven-ish months. Yeah. And so when you say general addiction meetings, those were the ones that you told me were like sponsored by your church. Yeah. Right. Addiction recovery program. Okay. So why did you decide to search out a new program? 
So I loved the ARP program and I loved the freedom it gave me to admit to being an addict and the love that I felt there, but I wasn't getting specific help for my addiction Mm -hmm. and I I could never admit to what I was dealing with because nobody there admitted to being a sex addict and it was pretty shameful, so I didn't say anything. Yeah, that would be incredibly shameful, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So. so you searched out a new program. So you've been going to SA now for about since September, you said? Since September, so okay. seven months. Yeah, about. awesome. So what has that experience been like for you? It's I been I mean, seven great. months isn't too long, right? No. So, yeah. It's been great, and I, I had I, – sometimes I've been more consistent than others, um, but I want to commit to being even more consistent. But what I love about it is the fellowship of the women – and the love and welcoming that I've received, and and now the sisterhood that I think I feel, um, and just the how we can relate so much to each other. Um, I love that it's just women. I want to branch out to mixed meetings, but I've just really enjoyed the safety I feel that we all relate with the same addiction, and you know only those desiring their sexual sobriety are there, so we're all in the same boat and. Mm-hmm. can share easily I feel like yeah so what has been the hardest thing in the last seven months for you to work through as you've been attending meetings I think my own expectation mm-hmm. of myself because I've relapsed quite a bit as I've begun to work through recovery a lot of emotions have come up that I don't want to deal with <laughs> and so I've relapsed quite a bit more than I usually feel like I do and um, that's been frustrating, but I feel like my progress emotionally is completely different and that I'm changing and that that will pay off mm-hmm. for my sobriety. Um, so that's been the hardest part is not feeling the progress that I want to feel as quickly as I want to feel it or as much as I expect to, but also seeing progress in different areas have um, been, worth, mm-hmm. been worth the hard work. Yeah. What's been the best part? Of the last seven months? Um, the best part has been honesty. Admitting that I'm an addict. And um, tonight I shared my first step, my story. And owning my story was really hard, but it's really liberating. And um, it gives me ownership of my life, I think. Mm-hmm. And so that's been the best part is being honest with the girls in group and, and being honest with myself and not having secrets like I think was said before. So, mm-hmm. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. On sharing your first step. That's super exciting. So what does your program look like? Do you have a sponsor? I do. And what's the best and hardest part of having a sponsor? <laughs> um, the best part of having a sponsor is being accountable and being called out on things um, like rea- given reality checks. So somebody actually cares enough to take me seriously and not to just tell me what I want to hear and somebody who's ex- who has experience in the steps and is hopeful and can relate to me mm-hmm. and believes in me and isn't um, scared away by my reality and my trauma and my crazy <laughs> but <laughs> she um, empathizes with me and um, loves me and helps me work the step- steps in an honest way, um, true to the program. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so those were all positive things. Is there, is <laughs> oh, there, yeah. Yeah. Is there a hard part about having a sponsor? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, 
sometimes I just don't want to talk to her because I'm tired of the recovery. It's really, it really wears on you. And, um, I try to avoid her and then I just, you know, then I struggle with my progress. And so I guess the hard part is, is you've been so alone in your addiction and you've been so isolated and now you have somebody who is a part of that and who is helping you Mm -hmm. and that's really difficult to make that adjustment so I'd say that's the hardest part yeah yeah for sure so you just finished step one tell us a little bit about like I know you shared it earlier tonight at the retreat that we're at tell us a little bit about like um that whole process of writing a step one was it was it more hard, more fun, more challenging? Like, tell us just a little bit about that process. Um, yeah, all of those things. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really enjoy writing, and writing is a way that helps me to um, get my thoughts out. Mm-hmm. I'll write things, and I'll be surprised and be like, oh, yeah, that happened. Or, yeah, that's real. Or, yeah, that's how I feel. Um, I've been trying to write my story uh, for a long time, even before, you know, I thought that I was an addict or anything, and... Um, so I have bits and pieces of it everywhere that I kind of pulled from and, um, put together so it flowed into what my story really is. And it was really emotional because I wrote things down that weren't real to me yet. And that writing them means that they're real now and that they did happen to me and that I did feel that way and that I feel that way. And so the hard, yeah, the hard part was accepting my story and that these things are real. And um, then a wonderful part is just the freedom that I feel from accepting my story and not being rejected by my, um, my group. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of women that listen to this podcast who are either like brand new or who haven't accepted that they're an addict yet or are just even just toying with the idea that like maybe I have a problem, you know, with sex addiction or anything like that, what would be, um, because I know you, I know that that's something that you've kind of struggled with is like, I don't, I don't want to believe I'm an addict or I don't even want to use that. I don't even want to use that term to describe myself. Right. Like what helped you turn that corner? What helped you decide? Like I, I am an addict and I, I'm going to accept that. One looking at myself, honestly, what else could it be <laughs> with the way that I behave and um, and my story? And then to my sponsor helped me with her own experience of admitting that she was an addict to herself and asking me questions and asking me, well, if this, then are you? Or, you know, what do you feel about that? And I gave myself permission to feel the relief of owning to what I'm dealing with. And... It doesn't make me any less of a person, and um, it doesn't, like, I don't know, it doesn't really change anything because it's true, Um, (laughs) but it allows me to work my program, and it's it's going to allow me to change and to have a real life. Do you have any words of wisdom or encouragement or anything you'd like to share with, with everyone listening? Um, I would say just don't give up. You can't sink deeper than, um, the program can help you and you can't sink, sink deeper than God can find you. And, um, 
yeah, that's what I would say is don't give up and keep reaching out even when you're falling over and over and over again. Things can change and it just takes time. Awesome. Thank you. Pretty amazing, right? It was so great to spend time with these women and to to learn from them, to learn about their stories, to hear who they are, and also to learn from their experiences. I want to thank Becky and Candice and Emily for being willing to share with us a little bit of who they are and a little bit of the things that, that have really helped them in recovery. We had the privilege of listening to Emily share her first step story for the very first time and I was really touched by her honesty and her willingness to accept her own story and really connect with it and one of the women made the comment that every time I hear someone else's story I heal just a little bit I thought that was very profound I 100% agree with that every time I hear someone else's story someone else's thoughts and feelings, someone else's experiences, someone else's addiction story. I heal just a little bit. Listening to them connect with their story helps me connect with my story. Listening to the way that they have changed their life helps me look at new ways that I might change my life. Spending time with these women this weekend was incredibly healing for me and and allowed me to really feel connected to recovery. One of the things that touched me the most as we were working together was when one of the women said that after, when she got into recovery, she was afraid. She was afraid that after she gave it all up, after she gave up her addiction, she gave up her behavior, she gave up all of her character defects, she listed her resentments, her fears, the harms done, and, and she put it all down and she gave it all up. She didn't think that there would be anything left. She was scared that there would be nothing left. Who would she be? What kind of, who would she, what kind of person is she? Who would she be after she gave all of those things up? She shared an experience where she felt like she had a real connection with her higher power and was given and was given just a glimpse of who she might become if she stayed into recovery. I think something I've really struggled with is the identity crisis that comes with recovery. Who am I? Who am I now that I give all these things up and now that I put all these things down? I've really struggled with that and I'm really grateful for the opportunity I had this weekend to really think about it. I encourage you to stay connected in recovery, to find places where you have support, where you have people to talk to, where you can stay connected and be able to share your experiences. I'm really grateful again for the opportunity I had to do that and the continuing opportunity that I have to do that. Connection is one of those pieces of your program that needs to stay solid. If we're gonna get through this, if we're gonna build a new life for ourselves, if we're going to overcome our addictions and, and live in recovery, we have to stay connected. I've got more messages from some of the women there that we'll share next time around. But I just encourage you to really find a place where you can feel safe and where you can stay connected. As always, I want you to know that no matter where you are, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how you feel right now, no matter even how disconnected you feel right now, you are 100% worth recovery. You're worth it. 
take the time, dedicate yourself, and change your life. I think about you. I pray for you. I love you. Until next time, Amy. stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.